receive. God bless you. I'm struggling a little bit, but it's okay. It's okay. I would like for you to take your songbooks, the Kims of the Church, and I would like for you to stand with me this morning as we um, de um, we de-stress and we can move on to see what God has to say. I was actually going to sing another song this morning. It came to me early this morning. I was going to sing, Come Gracious Spirit. But I believe the Lord um, wants me to sing this song as we invite the Almighty King. So let's sing this song from the very core, the very depth of our heart as we invite the King of Kings and Lord of Lords in this place. Number two. Number two. Do we have a water boy somewhere? <clears throat> Come thou almighty King, help us thy name to sing, help us to praise, Father
Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> so it's been back um, in April, the latter part of April, I was asked to share the first section. There's a lot of visitors here this morning that were not here um, back in April. And um, I, yesterday, uh, prayed a kind of a selfish prayer. I hope that's okay. But God answered. But God don't answer every selfish prayer that we pray. So, so, so yesterday, I just felt like, for myself, I needed a little bit of me time. And um, I just wanted to spend some time with my boys. And uh, I was going to go to the shop just for a little bit. And um, I just find that um, in that shop, just a solitude place where I can be by myself. And uh, But this time of year, it's very difficult to do that with so many people in and out and harvest still going, lots of trucks, lots of equipment still on the move. And uh, there was a funeral of a local man that lived in this community most of his life. And I just thought, well, just maybe, just maybe. I did not know when the funeral was. I thought it was in the morning here in Lobby Hold. I was like, I can't believe all these people in this place. And they ain't going to this funeral because some of them are actually related to this man. And uh, one of his son-in-laws actually works for us. And I, I thought, just maybe I'll luck out. So I just prayed this little prayer. I said, God, I just need some me time. I know it's a selfish prayer, but I just, I just, I just want to be by myself in the shop with my boys. And um, guess what? God granted that. Except for one, uh, my brother Kala, he came walking in there. He needed something out of Emmanuel. He came in there, but he was on the phone. He left. He was still on the phone when he left. And uh, I just had some time by myself. Um, I don't know how you are, but I, t- I tend to talk to myself. We got a full dialogue um, conversation going on. You know, sometimes, um, a lot of times I'm the bad guy. And, uh, you know, and sometimes I just merely talk to God. And uh, actually was granted that yesterday. You know, sometimes we pray these prayers, and sometimes God answers these prayers. But sometimes God gives, a lot of, all the time, you know, I'm going to say all the time, God gives us what we need, not what we want. And um, I think God took mercy on me, and he gave me what I needed. But, I, but I'm, here, I'm here to tell you that God did not answer a prayer. I did not pray this this, this morning, but um, I would, sharing a personal testimony, I would much rather... Um, and I don't mean to mean this in a, uh, as you as a visitor here this morning, you are most mightily welcome here. And I don't mean this in any way, shape, or form. I don't think the pastors of this church in any way, shape, or form are ever going to take the welcome sign off the door. But it's so much easier for me to share as a, uh, as a church family. But you are welcome here. Do not feel bad. I'm glad you're here. I don't know your names, but I'm glad you're here. Okay? And um, so if you can... Um, Learn some of the things that I learned in life, some of the struggles, some of the uh, failures, some of the faults, some of the down, you know, many um, uh, heartaches that, uh, that I had, um, many times, you know, the hurts, the, the, um, the shattered dreams, and all these types of things. And um, by the way, are you a bashful guy? Are you? Are you a bashful guy? 
When that clock hits 12 o'clock, 5-tail, you get your hand up there, okay? You've got to get your elbow above your head, okay? I'm not going to watch the clock. It'll make me responsible that I need to watch the clock, okay? So you are the allotted man. And so if we go over time, you're the fault. Is that fair? Okay. I knew you are a man. So, however, I'm just going to have a quick overview. Well, first of all, I'm also, as you visitors here, I'm also kind of um, the type of guy, I'm not the most orthodox preacher, but I do enjoy um, studying God's Word. I do enjoy um, sharing uh, what God has done. And like we heard this morning, thank you for the message we already heard. And so I have these little pre-sermon talks that I use all the time. I was going to scrap it, but... Too many people came to me and said, don't do that. Please keep sharing your little pre-sermon talks. So this morning, I heard a story um, some time ago. That I thought, this story is too good to go to waste. And so this morning, my prayer was, God, how can we get the most mileage out of what happened to my faults and failures and my downsettings and my uprisings in my life? How can we get the most mileage out of what happened in my life? I don't only plan to talk about the last section of my testimony, my personal testimony with you, but I also have a message prepared that we're going to try to maybe look into. If there's not enough time, it's okay. So faith. What is faith? Okay? So um, we're going to liken. This is a true story, so we're going to liken faith. How many of you fly? You have your own airplane? All right, that was the wrong question. How many actually like, have your pilot's license. Nobody here? I don't either. But it's one of my dreams to own a golf stream someday. It's never going to happen, but, you know, it, it costs nothing to dream, okay? And it's not one of those shattered dreams, okay? So this is an actual story that happened. And I want to use the fuel in the plane as your faith this morning to get you over there. There's a lot of people who start in a Christian life and do not and lose out because they do not have the faith, the fuel to get through there. Okay? So we're gonna look at it as fuel in your plane, fuel in a plane as faith to get you to your destination. Okay? So I was sitting in a church service one day, and um, <clears throat> we're gonna uh, call this church B. I like that. And um it, it so happened that whoever um, was responsible for this children's lesson did not take responsibility. And um, they called the children up and said, uh, where's the speaker at? And everybody was looking at everybody else and wondering. And so this one, this one man sitting right in front of me, I'll do it. And I'm like, God bless you. He volunteered for the project. And I thought, now you know what that is? Flying by on low fuel. I mean, just like instantly, he just like, I'll do it. And this man um, told this story. I may not have all the details, but I got the punchline. And uh, this is what I think the punchline is the most important. This man that told this story actually worked at an airport, at a local, small, uh, regional airport. And there was a pilot there that... Um, and uh, this was a Mennonite man, and uh, he's an older man that had the pilot there, and he flew many, many miles. He flew a lot. He's an older man. And from my understanding, he grew up in a Christian circle. It may not have been in an Anabaptist church, but he 
decided to take his own way, and he shucked everything over his left shoulder and decided that it wasn't for him. He quit calling on God. He quit praying. He quit doing all these things. One day, um, I mean, I'm going to, I don't know how many writers we have in here, but I'm going to take a, a writer's, um, what do they call that? A writer, you can, you know. Writer's liberty. Thank you. I'm going to take it. So I'm going to take a speaker's liberty. I'm going to just fill in some details to make the story, but I'm going to give you the punchline. That's the most important. And so it was actually in this community where um, there were some men, some pastors looking to start an outreach up in northern Canada. Now, we're backing up many, many years ago. There was no roads into this area in Canada. I think it was up in B.C. somewhere. And... Uh, they asked this man, they had some connections with this man, they asked him, would you fly us into this community? He's like, sure, I'll do this, I'll do this. This man was not a Christian. There was four of these men. They had a small plane, and uh, so they set the date. These four pastors, these four people, these uh, men went to look in northern Canada to start a mission work, and uh, this man... You know, if you know anything about flying, they get out their flight flight maps and they figure out how many pneumonical miles it is and yada, 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 and so forth and so on. I've seen it many times um, flying with my employer. Um, you know, they get out these maps, and to me it's just all Greek and lingo, and it's just, I don't understand it all. But here's the problem. If you look on any atlas, you will have a graph that looks like this, well, something similar and it will have a thing here that reads like this. And this will be one inch, and it'll, it'll look something like this, and it equals 50 miles. Okay? You see that? You see that graph? Like in maps? Yada, yada, yada? Well, in the airplane world, it has the same thing. And, uh, so when they read these flight maps, they calculate Okay, I can make it from A, and I can make it to B to fuel stop, because there was no way in Jose that he would be able to pack enough fuel to get him to where he wants to go. But on the calculation of this airplane pilot, he forgot, when, if this is the U.S., A, when he got to Canada, this line was here. So... He goes to flying. He, of course, they have to stop at Calgary or wherever they, I don't know where they stopped. I'm just going to use that at Calgary to go through customs to get their papers so they can go on to, to, to their destination. But when he got there, he totally failed to read this Canadian scale and it was much larger than the one in the U.S. And so when he was reading these maps, he said, well, I can make it to point B to fly there, and I got I'm packing enough of fuel, and furthermore, they're hauling these four extra men with all their baggage, luggage, and yada, yada, yada. And so that adds weight to a small plane. So what happens to your fuel? It goes down, and it burns considerably more. So he says, in his, when in his planning, I can fly to this point here, and I can make it. And we'll pump fuel, and then we'll go on. And they flew, and they flew. And they flew, and they flew, and they flew, and they, his needle was going down, 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 down. It was on the red, and they were still in the air. 
This man who has not called on God for many, many years cried out to God in his hour of desperation and told God, God, I need fuel. These four men that I have behind me do not deserve to buy, to do, do not deserve to die. I have walked away from you. I have rejected you. I have not called on your name for many years. I deserve to die. But these four men behind me are good men. They do not deserve to die. He flew some more. He looked down and he said, and he told God he needed fuel. He, he looked down and he saw this little Ponoc town and an airstrip. Like perfect. It's like, thank you, Lord. Jesus, thank you. He brought his plane down. <laughs> this guy, this one-man operation comes out, seen what his need is, rolled out a 55-gallon barrel and pumped fuel on his little plane, and off they went. Okay? This guy delivers these four men to their destination. Now get this and get it good. Delivers them to their destination and returns home. Now he pumps fuel at, at, the, at his destination where he, where he gets to. And now he can fly so much further because he's not packing all this weight. He, fly, he flies on the same path. And he said, right here is where I pump fuel. What do you think was there? What do you want to think? Nothing. Nothing. And this, as this guy was telling, this old pilot was telling this young man, this younger man, he said, I have flown that route so many times. Every time I fly that route, I look to see if I can find an airport. It is not there. It is not there. Faith. Do you have enough fuel to get to your final destination? I wrote down some quotes. Faith. Faith is building an ark when there is no rain. There is no rain. It's dipping seven times in a muddy river when you have open wounds. It makes no sense. It's marching in circles and shouting praises when your enemy is ready to do battle. I mean, it just seems pointless going around and around a city. Why? It's sometimes... I can't even read it. Tasting the sweetness of God in saltiness of our tears. It's being called to sacrifice the only son with no explanation, just told to go. Do I have enough fuel to get me to my final destination? Do you have enough fuel to get to where you want to go? Faith will get you there. I'm trying to, okay, I have learned from my two pastors here that have the gift of teaching that sometimes you need to do review. So it's been March, I counted up, it's about three months since I shared. And turn with me in, in Matthew 12, we're going to go back to this old verse, this verse has been penned down 2,000 years ago, wrote down, we're going to go back to it, verse 20. And so I'm just going to go down through this um, and just give you visitors a little sneak peek of what we talked about. I talked about things that happened in my life, things that have been very hurtful, things that have I have done that I have 
since then wished many, many times I could just scrap this piece of paper and start over. But God sold otherwise. And I talked about Moses in the burning bush. You know, Moses was intrigued by the burning bush. You know, and how many times do we get intrigued about the burning bush? It's not, it's not the burning bush. It's God in the burning bush. And you know, am I excited about the things that I see? And, um, and, and we totally miss God. We talked about how Jesus triumphed over, triumphed over evil, gave us the victory when he said it is finished, taken out of John. You know, he was wounded for our and bruised for our um, iniquity, iniquity and chastised for, of our peace was uh, upon him. For his stripe, by, for by his stripes we are healed. And uh, we talked about God's grace, in which we're going to talk about some more today. And I want to end on that, if there's time. <clears throat> then I read this, train, this um, poem, The Hellbound Train, that has often spoke deeply to me, um, how we're all headed for a great fire until Jesus found us. And here's the verse that I want to use for my testimony here this morning. <clears throat> a bruised reed shall not he break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. And I have often, I have, those, I have that verse underlined in my, in my Bible. And you know, I was that broken reed. I, you know, and exactly what this is all talking about, it, 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 it don't really matter to me. But I just took this verse as a personal, like, this verse speaks to me. I'm the bruised reed and shall not, and shall not be broken as smoking flax. Are you a smoking flax this morning? Many times growing up, I felt like I was a smoking flax. And, um, you know, but God didn't just toss me over the hill. He t- looked down and he took mercy upon me in that electrical room. I talked about two men. I talked about um, two men in my life that were very influential in my life. And I'd like to talk to you young men, or even you young young ladies here. You know, that God puts people in our lives that um, have a way to maybe reach us and to help us to see a different perspective. Some people that will not give up on us, and they see beyond our faults and failures, and they see what we could be with Christ. And um, these men took me under their wing. Um, the one I talked about was Paul Kurtz. He was very influential in my life. He taught me so much, and uh, he taught me how um, just take the Bible for what it says. You know, the Bible, and like we heard this morning in the devotion, you know, the, the, the armor, just take it as it is. Put it on. Use it. It's meant there. Take the promises of God that He gave to us. And, um, and He taught, He, you know, He, He, He reformed some of my thinking, how some of my thinking was wrong. And, you know, He just, He just had this way of ministry to reach out to, to a hurting young man and that needed Christ. And, uh, I talked about Sammy Hofer, who, who, who had a tremendous burn for ministry. And he's, he's the guy that told you the story where he has such a desire for passing out tracks that he just went up to this airplane and threw the tracks out the window, scattered them all over town to evangelize the town, got a ticket out of the, out of the deal because of um, trash. And I don't know, he was quite, quite the storyteller. But, you know, just had this burden, you know. And, to, and you know, it was very... Um, as I listen to this story... Listen to him talk of story after story, and I happened to be with him one day, and uh, how he talked to this rough character, um, this truck driver. I was working with him up in northern Montana, and you know this 
he was he this this vile truck driver. He just needed a picture of Jesus. He just needed Jesus, and he told him. He just he just loved on him. Put his arms around him. Loved on him. Told him we don't talk like that. I don't expect you to talk like that here as well. We love Jesus here, and this is the way it is. And that man that man respected him. Had a different. Um, Respect for him. Uh, another man there, he was tearing down this huge anhydrous ammonia tank. They actually built anhydrous ammonia. Most, a lot of people here probably don't know what that is, but it's a form of nitrogen for your corn and wheat and whatever, your crops. And he got gloriously saved and he had lots of tracks and he was going to go pass them out on the weekends and, and preach Jesus. And I was so impressed that God could take these rough men and change them. And you can and he can do the same to you and me as well. <clears throat> I want to talk about the third person that had a ter- had a tremendous amount of influence upon my life. <clears throat> and some of you heard me talk about him. Um, Brother Jerry Hoover. In my walk, in my Christian life, I remember him. He would come out and visit because my employer would be his brother-in-law. And so as he would come out from time to time, our relationship grew. I enjoyed listening to him and talked to him. He um, is the type of person, <laughs> he gets um, a little excited about prophecy and things to come, the end of the world, those type of things. And I'm like, mm, um, that isn't as important to me as it is to him, but I enjoy listening to him. And uh, there's another thing that really intrigued me, um, that he had reached out to me and showed me a different way. And he also t- does quite extensive teaching on the on the gifts of the Spirit. And we, um, when we flew back to Ohio, I told my wife, I said, I know how it goes when we go back there. We get all these phone calls. And come and visit us. Come and visit us. There's only so much of us that can go around. So I decided I really wanted to go and see Jerry and his wife, Dorcas. And uh, they live about an hour and a half, kind of west of where my folks live there in Ohio. And uh, so I decided I'm just going to beat them to the punchline. I made a call. I called him up. I said, hey. I said, I would like to come um, to visit you and uh, spend a little time with you and just learn. And he was more than happy to have us. And so we set up a date. He said, this is just perfect. He said, the children all have youth stuff going. They are, some are, most of them are out of town. He said, it'll just be me and Dorcas. And I'm like, hot diggity dog. We can sit down and we can just Barrel hearts. And that's exactly what happened. Um, my, my wife was like, we need to go. We need to go. And Jerry and me were still hammered down. And uh, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 11, 12 o'clock, um, it's like, we got to go. We still were not done. But I just shared with him the cry of my heart. And I have never, 
had somebody pray over me like he did that night. Where are those men? He told me one time, he's a pastor, and he was in a church helping the pastor, and he told me the story. I'll never forget the story. Made a huge impaction on me. He told me I was he was sitting in church, and he said, up front here in the church, in the church where he went, they had segregated seating like a lot of Mennonite churches have back there. And he said, there was this old man who stood to his feet one day, one Sunday morning. And he had a need in his heart, in his life. 80 years old. And he requested prayer. He said, my co-pastor, he said, I about, he said, I about couldn't handle it. But he said, I didn't know what to do, so he just left it. And I could tell that he was deeply grieved with the way the co-pastor handled the situation. He, um, this 80-year-old man, took the courage to stand to his feet and share the need of his heart. And the co-pastor said, okay, we'll pray for you, and went on with the service. Jerry said, I struggled and struggled. He said, Glenn, why in the world do we have to be so orthodox? We can't stop the service for an 80-year-old man who has a cry and need in his heart. And I could tell he was deeply hurt and moved by that. He also told me some other stories that were very deeply concerning to me of things that happened to him. And things that he witnessed. And I just sat there and said, God help us. That we do not make the same mistake. And that's what I want to tell this church. And if you're not part of this church, you're a visitor here. Whatever church you're a part of. If somebody comes, you know, take the time to pray with them if they ask for prayer. It just really um, changed my thinking. Um, you know, sometimes these people, they come to us with deep needs and they want to, they want us to pray over them. Cause I just so much appreciated him as he, as he led me and my wife to a, to, <laughs> I, I was just so touched by his care. You know, these three men were just men like you and me. You, you, um, they puncture their skin, red blood runs out. They have needs. They have hurts. They have things in their lives that they wish they could get get out of their life. And they're working to be to be more perfect like Jesus. And that's what I saw in these three men. These men were not perfect, but the passion they had for the things of God is what so much encouraged me. And uh, 
I just want to encourage you uh, to, to, to pick up the mantle and to, and to be that person and just have a passion for the things of God and a passion for the Bible, for, for Jesus, just like we heard in the devotion this morning. And how do I pass that on to my children? How do I, how do I pass that mantle on to my children? How do I pass that mantle on to my friends that I have? You know, I have a lot of friends. I have, I have a, a, a wide variety of friends. Some of them aren't even Christians, but they're my friends. I have an, I have a circle that's a little closer. And you know, um, or maybe much closer. It's my church family. And I just want to say thank you again, church family, for, for, um, allowing me to be here and to, and to, be able to uh, speak into your life and also as well as speak into my life. Thank you, church. I deeply appreciate that. You know, many years went by and I wondered if I'd ever be in a church where I could feel like the cloud stopped here. You know, when I came here to church soon after, well, I was part of this church when we started here many, many years ago. And, you know, we went through a lot of, we went through some, some deep water together. And this church is still here. As we sought God and sought direction from Him. When our church was struggling many years ago, I was, <laughs> I, I was asked this question. Are you going to leave too? That never even entered my mind. That never even entered my mind. This is where God wanted me. This is where God wanted my wife and I. You know, we've, We've um, seen a lot. We've experienced a lot. And I just want to take the little nuggets of truth that I have and just share with you as an encouragement to you. I would like to draw you a little scale. This came to me as I was studying this morning. As I got up early this morning. Um, I would like to... Somebody gave me this picture one time many, many years ago. And I would like to just share this with you. You know, as we get closer, to, and, and my wife, we were talking this morning about, you know, what's laying on my heart. And I, she's seen, I don't know if she read over what I had penciled in here, but um, I, I, I said, this gospel message is so simple. And why do we make it so complicated? And um, I uh, said... <laughs> Sent a text off to um, one of my, well, it's actually my youngest sister. I sent it to her this morning. And I was just rambling as I was studying. I just, I don't know why I did it. I just picked up my phone. I seen her name. I punched her name in there. And I started just texting this big, long, winded message. I didn't really think about how long it was until I went back maybe an hour or two later. And I'm like, whoa, um, how did we get there? And, uh, and I apologize for preaching her a mini sermon. She said, that's Okay. But here's what I like to here's what I like to draw you. I'm not much of a drawer, but I would like to <clears throat> let's start over here. I'm gonna run out of room. But let's just visualize this as a ladder. Okay? Now I don't know how many of you been up in Yakima area, up in up in Washington. They got these goofy looking ladders that they pick apples on, and they're just got a huge wide base in the bottom. And uh, 
I'm out of room, and I'm not going to draw on the wall. I'm, I'm beyond the five-year-old stage, so I'm just going to just picture this over here, okay? And I drew this picture for my wife this morning. And uh, I need a tall guy. But we're just going to, I'm, I'm not that tall. We're just going to go like this for sake of room. And it goes up here, okay? And I would just like to take this picture, just visualize this as a ladder. This here should actually be a little closer to the top, but that's good enough for now. That'll give you an idea. And Jesus is at the top, okay? And down here, this is a cross. This is where we met Jesus, down at the bottom. And this cross needs to be down here. And this is where I gave it all up. But you know, as well as I know, as, as well as we know, you and I both all know, when we gave our heart to Jesus, at least when I did, I'm just going to talk personally, and you can put on the shoe if it fits you. When I gave my heart to Jesus, I had no clue of everything that he wanted me to do and to get rid of. Okay? Isn't that how it is? Right? You know, there's things that, that come to our mind that Jesus, you know, he says, you know, it's better if you do without this. It's better if you do without that. And the, this baggage, these things. Um, you can put, you can put whatever you want in there. You can, we're not gonna make a list, but you put in there whatever you want. But as we climb this ladder, as we go up this, go up this, uh, and move toward Christ, for a, this is a cr- very crude illustration, but I just wanna make a point. It's not like we cl- we're climbing this ladder by good works, we're, we're trying to climb this la- uh, Jake's ladder. That's not what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to tell you. I'm just trying to say, the, cl- the, fu- the closer we get to Christ, and cr- it's not like Christ's web. I think I'm, I'm, I'm gonna just assume I'm talking to a, to a, um, a mature Christian audience, okay? I'm good with that. But the, but as we go out, as we go down this trail with Jesus, the, the trail gets nearer, or narrower as we get closer to Christ. And then all these attachments that I have, whatever they are, they become less and less. As we get rid of this baggage that we have, because as we walk with Christ, He wants us to, He wants us to do away with these things. The, the, maybe it's music that I have. Maybe it's the style car I have. Maybe it's pride in this one area here, or maybe it's, it's, it's lust, or whatever these things are that, that Jesus wants to take out of our lives to make Him, make us more like Him. And that's my heart, that as I walk with Christ, and until that great waking up morning that I would, that I would be close to Christ and that, that when He speaks, I would be able to hear and be, have a sensitive heart and not to, not to be so loaded down with the baggage that of the world or the baggage that keeps me down, you know, far from Christ. You know, I want to grow with Christ. I want to walk with Christ as I grow and mature in Him. I want to, you know, that's my heart for myself, and it's my heart for you here this morning. As I, as I give it all up to Jesus at the bottom of the cross, here I am. This is who I am, Lord. Like I told you in the, in the, in, in the, back in April, as I knelt down in that electrical room all by myself, you know, I don't know how many, how much power, how much voltage was coming in that room. I have no clue. All I can tell you, it was a massive amount to run that place. <clears throat> These massive wires. But you know the day <clears throat> that I gave it all to Him. 
the power of Christ met me. And I, and I, and I was on a different path because of a man that I worked for that had a passion for Christ and a passion for the things of God. And my, that's my encouragement to you this morning. As you walk with Jesus, that you would be, that you would become more like Him. And you know, there's times that <laughs> things happen that, oh, we wish they wouldn't happen. And, um, I was, uh, as I was getting ready for church this morning and I was like, this story kept coming to my mind, and I was like, God, I can't share that. That's embarrassing. But <laughs> I decided, I'm going to share that. I'm just going to share it. This is who I was. This is who I'm not there anymore. Praise Jesus. But it's just cold facts. And I don't know if I told this story here last time. I can't remember everything I said. I didn't carry a lot of notes. I just spoke as the Spirit gave me deliverance or so. However you want to say it. And so... In um, about in the early eighties, about eighty five ish, six ish, somewhere in nope, it was earlier than that, four ish, early eighties. Let's just go with that. It's simpler. Um, the church that I went to did not have their own school, and so when I was in when I was in seventh grade. My seventh year, our my church where I was, where my parents went, they started their own school, and um, they hired this male teacher. And uh, again, I'm not very proud of this. I'm very embarrassed and very. Sad that this happened. And, uh, but I just hope that God can get some mileage out of what happened. And where I can, we, somebody can learn from this. We, um, I did not like this male teacher. And, uh, I did not realize that he was under a tremendous amount of pressure because of unruly conduct in the classroom. And it seemed like every time we turned around, he made a new role. And somehow I just chafed at that. And in my heart of hearts, I was um, very angry at him and bitter against him because of what he was doing. And I remember my mother, she... she. Uh, she came to me one day. I think I was in my mid-teens, maybe 17, 18-ish. And she came to me, and uh, she uh, wanted to revisit that. And to me, <laughs> to me, that door was closed. But she uh, pursued, and she would not let that thing die. And she told me, I don't know exactly what words it was she used, but she told me that um, she really felt in her heart of hearts that I owed this man an apology. And uh, I'm just like, well, how in the world is that ever going to happen? We do not live in the same community. And I think his church, where he was a part of, he was about an hour and a half away from where we lived. And like, that's impossible. It ain't going to happen. So I 
<laughs> I decided that, um, you bet. I will try to make an attempt to apologize to him. And, uh, but it ain't going to happen because he lives a long ways away from me and our paths don't cross very often. I think the church where he was part of, they started an outreach and they ended up in Indiana somewhere. I don't even know where. Somewhere. So that even made greater distance. But I am here to tell you <laughs> that God in all his infinite wisdom has ways to make paths cross that would blow your circuits. And lo and behold, I, um, this was after I was married, and that's exactly what happened. Our paths did not cross, but guess what? God's doorbell kept ringing my doorbell, and God just kept pushing the button and didn't let me forget about it, okay? We can put up all these false fronts. We can put on all these facades. We can do all these jumping hoops. We can do all this scheming and all this wit and all this stuff. But I'm here to tell you, that God's Holy Spirit works 24-7 and does not stop. So, after I was married, God did a tremendous work of grace in my heart. <laughs> and I had a very close friend. His wife died. And guess who was there? That teacher. By that time, God did a tremendous work of grace in my heart. And I don't know what he did in his heart. It really don't matter. But I saw him standing there, and the first thing that God told me, he said, there he is. I said, yes, Lord, I got it. I got it. I'll go make my apology. And I was waiting, and he was standing. I could still see still see him. It was played as many years ago as this happened. He was standing against the wall where they had the, the, the at these funeral meal, like a smorgasbord type of thing. And I was just waiting. Other people were talking to him because he was back in town. And God says, I told God, I said, you know what? I said, you give me a chance and I will go. I will go. I want that off my plate. And so I was just watching for my opportunity to go. And he got done visiting with this other person, whoever they were visiting. And there he was by himself. His I can't remember. Maybe his wife was there. And so I went up there and we renewed acquaintances after many years. And... Um, we chit-chat, just cheap, frivolous little stuff, the weather, farming, whatever. And I said, hey, I said, I got something I'd like to tell you. And uh, sure, sure. I said, <laughs> I said, you remember the schoolboy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he remembers the schoolboy. <laughs> I said, I'm not that boy no more. You know, by this time, he was our pastor of a church. And I told him, I'm very sorry for what happened. And he, I think it was a little tough on him. He freely forgave me. And you know, today, you know, that's what God does. I was set free. He was moved. He has a story to tell. There's, God is so good, and He's good all the time. And so I want to encourage you. 
As we move along life, there's things that happen in our lives we wish would have never happened. There are so many times, God, why in the world was I like this? Or why in the world did I get involved with this or that or another thing? Why? When deep down in my heart of hearts, I knew better. And now I gotta go make all this right. I gotta go set it, I gotta go set it back in order. Why would I do that? But you know what? God has a way of keep trimming the fat off. He keeps, he has a way of continuing to, to, to make us more into the image of his son Jesus. And that is my heart cry here this morning for you and for myself. If you're here this morning, that's what he wants to do for you. I don't know if I told this story either again, but it's part of my testimony. I, uh, my, um, in the Mennonite circles, the lead pastor, they would call him a bishop. And, uh, I actually worked for his son for several years, which today, me and that, his one son, well, two of, two, three of his sons, uh, two of them are considerably younger than I am. And the one that's really close to me, um, he's quite a bit, few years older than me. And, uh, I just felt like deep inside, I really needed to go talk to him. One time we were back there, and so I um, I didn't really have, really have a whole lot in my heart, but I just felt like I needed to touch in. I don't know why, so I told my wife, and uh, this was, I don't know how many years ago, and uh, I said, we need a, I, I'm going to call him. I'm just going to call him. I still remember his, their phone number to this day. So I called up there, talked to him, and he was an older, he's my parents' age, they were older people by then. You know, he's kind of semi-retired, re, semi-retarded, semi-retired, that's not what I meant to say. And, uh, and so he said, sure, he'd be glad to have us there. I said, I'm not looking for food, I'm not, I just want to come in, I just want to visit with you. We don't have to stay long. Um, We'll just be there. And so we did. So my family went with. We sang some songs to them. Shared some songs. And just as a way of ministry to them. And I could tell. I worked with him enough to know that he was touched. You know what? I'm so glad I went. You know why? Because it wasn't shortly after that his wife passed away. I was so glad I went. When I heard that she passed away, I was like, thank you, Jesus, that I had that opportunity to go reach out to him and minister in that kind of way. And, um, you know, that's a way. It's not the only way. And uh, relationships like what we heard at Amos's funeral are very important. To try to mend these relationships that I have broken down, these fences that were broken down, these things that I needed to make right. Um, on the first portion of my testimony, as far as making things right, soon after we were married, I was on this war path to pursue God. I, uh, <clears throat> like I say, I, t- I just said this earlier, where, where, um, I, I did a lot of things that I, I wish, I wish so bad it wouldn't happen. But it happened. I can't change the past, but I can change the course of the future. And, uh, 
there were some things that I was involved in at home and um, with some, they weren't good friends. <laughs> and, you know, as God turned down the vice, so to speak, he laid these fingers on these things that I needed to deal with that I was not, there was just no way I could deal with them. But like I say, God keeps pushing that ringer button. And, and so my wife, she was combined in that year. This was just in her very first, maybe a year or two of marriage. And of course, I would get home from work earlier than she would. And so I just came to a point in my life where I just felt like I really needed to square things up with my parents. I wasn't sure how to do it. I was a little hesitant in calling them. Um, not so much that I was as scared of calling them, but I was just as scared that I would not be able to just clean the house. Does that make sense? I could, I could write this letter, I could write these things down, and then I could just leave it there, and um, as the Holy Spirit um, dealt with me on all these issues, and just write them a letter of apology and asking their forgiveness. And what they did with it, I didn't really care. But I was about 99.9 sure that um, that I would be readily forgiven. Thank you. And so I took a standard piece of paper and I started writing. And I wrote, and I wrote, and I wrote, and I wrote some more. <laughs> and uh, the more I wrote, the freer I got, the freer I got, the more excited I got, and I kept writing of apology to my parents for all the wicked deeds that I'd done that I knew better. And uh, there were some things that I, there was a thing that I did that I just about could not bring myself to confess, but I felt there will, that thing will not go in the mail until I confessed all. You get that? Until I confessed all. And there that thing laid in my desk. And I went to, I don't know how to say it, but I'm just going to put it for lack of terms. Okay, you're going to have to forgive me. This is not a biblical term. Okay? I just went to war with God. Okay? I'm going to strong army. I don't think God really... And I talk to God just like I'm talking to you. Like, really, God? You want me to tell them that? I, I, you already know. I already confessed to you. It's good enough. No. No. God, God's like, no, Glenn. It is not going to happen. It is not going to happen. I will not let you go. You know, what did the angel, what did Jacob? He tried. He wrestled with God. I felt like I was in Jacob's place. I wrestled with God. And God was not going to let me go. He, Jacob wrestled with God until God bopped him on the hip and he couldn't, he had a limp for the rest of his life. And I was not going to let go of God. And God was not going to let go of me. And I just really desired God's presence. God says, hey, I'm putting this all in my own words. You know what? You confess that and I'll take care of the rest. You just tell them exactly what went on. She's like, why did I get involved with these people? Why did I get involved in these type of things? And one day, I, 
I came home from work. I said, okay, God, I'm done. I am done. And I went to my desk, and I proceeded to write. And by the moving of the Holy Spirit and his pencil or pen or whatever I had, we went to town. And we wrote and we wrote in detail. And I looked at that. (laughs) I'm like, hold it. My folks are going to have a shock of their life. But it's okay. It's okay. Because you know what? I'm asking for their forgiveness, and guess what? I'm free. And um, I'm like, you know what? This letter is going to take about three days to get there. And I don't know, in my innocence, my young insecurities, I should have been, <laughs> I should have been praying for them about day three when that letter rolled into town. I have no clue. <laughs> I have no clue how they felt. But I can tell you one thing. <clears throat> I got a letter coming back. It did not say much. It did. It was just a short note. You're most freely forgiven. And my dad is a man of very, very few words. And he, he had my mom write what he said. And dad says this, and this is in essence exactly what he said. And I may still have that letter to this day. I'm not sure. But he said in essence this. We forgive you. You are free. And now God can use you. Very short. One sentence. But the burden rolled away. The burden rolled away. And I'm here to tell you, if you're living under a load of sin this morning, Christ wants to take it away from you and just give it to him and your burden will roll away. He's going to be standing to his feet. Um, Thank you so much for raising your hand. Um, That pretty much concludes. I did have something to share with you. It's called the gospel of Jesus. And uh, and, uh, the, the... Last point that I have, I was going to talk about the grace of Jesus and the grace of God and, 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 and how much that means to me and, um, the work that he did on Calvary. And it just, you know, if you're, if you're a flax, if you're a plant that's bent over, broken over, God wants to restore you to himself. And, uh, I'm so glad for the, for God's love for me, His grace, the blood of Jesus, the cross of Calvary, and what it means to me. Because He longs to set us free. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for being God. You love us more than we will ever know. And thank you for the power of forgiveness and confession and all these things that happened in my life. Some things that I wish would have never happened. But you took these things and you threw them, put them in the sea of unforgiveness. And God, I don't know how you can get all the get mileage out of all my faults and failures, my broken dreams, my broken hopes, crushed hopes. 
But God, I just desire to be a man of God. And be everything you want me to be. And I just pray for any soul, a soul that is here this morning that feels crushed, smashed down by the wheel of time. And by things that happen to them that they are unable to change. But God, your son Jesus is waiting and ready to forgive and set us back on our feet and be that tool in the master's hand. And I pray, Lord, you would just set us free of the baggage of the past and help us be everything you want us to be, nothing more and nothing less. Thank you for men who you have placed in my life, who loved you, who saw value in me, who took an interest in me. God, there is one who is waiting your return in the grave, but the other two, as far as I know, they are living today. Lord, as they reach out and continue to touch the hearts of men through ministry. Lord, the one, I don't know where he's at, but God, I just pray that his face be toward Calvary and continue to preach to a hurting, dying world. Thank you for bringing everybody here and why and the wherefores of where we all come from matters little to you, but the direction we're going matters a lot. And I just pray that when the trumpet blows and you come again, that we all go together with you. There is no one left behind. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you do and are doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.